enjoyed hanging out with him, but I specifically love to hear him preach the Word of God. And so we're continuing our series, Letters for Lockdown, uh, in part three. So why don't you give him... Hey, good to be back, back in church. Hey, so good. Uh, apparently I couldn't be trusted, uh, so they gave me a sign because I'd hug everybody. So I was like, welcome home from a distance. Uh, quick checklist, if everyone could turn themselves, uh, put themselves on mute, that would be great. We've been in virtual meetings for the last eight weeks, so put yourself on mute. Um, and I'll just a quick checklist, pants are on. Good, all right. Anyone, come on, confession time now. How many people did at least one meeting in pajama pants at least? There we go, come on. I love it. It's brilliant. How many people did one in their pajama top as well? Hey, there we go. <laughs> hey, but it's so good to be back and to continue our series, Letters from Lockdown. What a cool, what a pr- pretty appropriate message uh, to be, to be, or message series to be a part of and, and to, to really unpack what it would have been like for, for Paul uh, to communicate to the church in Philippi. Letters from Lockdown. Now, I don't know about you, but do you know people who uh, th- their joy level is like full all the time, like, like 100% full, they are gushing over? You know, th- we, we have uh, you know, our little daughter, she, she's a little bit like that. Um, she is just absolutely gushing. Her, her name is Zoe, she, uh, which actually means life. All that she could, she could be in Disneyland for the day, or she could be at home doing nothing really. And at the end of each day, with equal enthusiasm, would say, this is the best day ever. You know, she just loves life. Well, I normally am that person. That is kind of who I am. Um, but I think God wanted to just quickly test me for sermon illustration coming in. So I get the phone call from Amy saying, hey, babe, there's no water. And the neighbors come and knocked on our door, and there's water gushing out of our front yard. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That was the response of one of us. I won't tell you who. Let's just say there were two different, very different responses to a burst water pipe, which we managed to find. And uh, I thought, okay, God, who are you wanting to set me up for a conversation? So I called a plumber who I went to school with. Hadn't talked to him for 20-odd years. You know who I'm talking about, Christian Reynolds. And uh, it was great. I had a great old chat. A little bit, of, uh, little bit of God moment happening right there as well. I was able to give uh, his, his little one-year-old one of my books that, that I've just finished writing. And uh, so that was great. It was fantastic. But can I, can I suggest that in the heart of every child, there's that sense of joy? You know, there is, right from that young age. You know, they're not hung up with all the, the issues that we have. Not, not laden down with the burden of anxiety and the, and, the, and the pressure and the disappointment and the failures and all of these things that actually believe that God is wanting us to get that joy back. I want to talk about an unshakable joy. Something that's in us, that it doesn't matter what's happening around us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, that we can make it through the greatest trial, that we can be like Paul, and we're going to hear a little bit more about his story, that he could sit and he could write about joy. That he was so excited to write to the people in Philippi. It's like, my heart is filled with joy to write these letters to you. There was something in him that was so passionate about God that there was this unshakable joy. Last week, how many people had a chance to listen to Haley Barrett's message online? I think one of the greatest messages I've ever heard. 
specifically around the role that, that, that really jumped out at me, the role that suffering plays in our relationship with Jesus. See, I think, we, I think we can have a wrong understanding of the Christian walk if we think that when we come to Jesus, our problems disappear. There's nothing in the Bible that would indicate that that is the truth. In fact, it's often the very opposite. The moment we come from being wishy-washy in one side of the fence to you know, kind of hovering to saying, I am now firmly planted in Jesus Christ to test whether or not this faith is genuine. But James said, let's count it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because out of those trials comes a testing of our faith. There's a building of our character. There's a perseverance that takes place. Now, some of you are shaking your head and saying, don't want to hear it, Mike. Not today. Not after lockdown, not after what's happened to me. I don't want to hear this today, and, and I, I get that. I really do. I've talked with people whose marriages are on the rocks. I've talked with people who have lost their jobs. My heart breaks for, for those examples and those, those people that have, have gone through, and you might be here today, and that's, the exa- that's, that's your world right now. And I want to say I'm so sorry. We are so sorry if that's what you're experiencing. And can I also say, that God wants to fill you with a joy. I'm not talking about a happiness that goes, hey, everything will be okay. I'm talking about a joy that is deep within us, the joy of the Lord that is our strength that gets us through every single situation. We're going to learn from Paul today some examples of how we can experience and outlive and work out this unshakable joy. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We've got this. God's got this. We're in it together. How is it that a follower of Jesus can walk through the darkest valley, face personal tragedy and loss, and yet still have joy? Their friends say, hey, you might as well just curse God and die. You got nothing left. Why would you keep following God? And this is what he responds. The joy that comes out of his heart. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. And after my skin has been destroyed in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, how my heart yearns within me. There was something burning inside of him that says, I know, even with everything stripped away from me, God's still got this. I've still got this. Come on, we need need this joy in a season where there's fear, where there's panic, where there's anxiety. We need a joy that fills us from within. That's stronger within us than the the, the pressure on the outside. Otherwise, we crumble. But this is a joy that only comes from God. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's good. God showed me about seven weeks ago that something was going to happen on Pentecost Sunday. I didn't know exactly what, but something quite significant. It's like, hey, church is back. I'm going, well, okay, because we thought, yeah, I mean, I think most of us thought five, six, seven months we wouldn't be able to gather, we'd be just doing online church, but how amazing that that as a nation, and we've been praying for our government over this season. I hope you have. I hope you've been praying for our government. They've made some really good decisions. They really have to get us back working again, get us back into the economy, and we might all have our different thoughts and opinions, but here we are gathering again together. Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for a shift of holiness and righteousness in our government. It's happening. It's changing. It's shifting. But let's continue to pray and not complain. Yeah? Try that for a start, and we'll see how we go from there. How does that sound? But, you know, here's what I've realized about unshakable joy. 
Unshakable joy has got nothing to do with, with my circumstances. It's got nothing to do with the, the level of my bank account. Although I wouldn't mind a couple of extra dollars, come on. Yeah. But it's got nothing to do with that because I, even Warren Buffett, who was the richest man in the world at the time, says, how much money do you want? He says, just a little more. It wasn't satisfying him. You know, it's not about my title. It's not about my position. It's not about, it's not about any of that. That doesn't bring joy. In fact, God, God took me on quite a journey of breaking me down. I gave him permission to be broken right down and then put back together again over lockdown. A little confession time. The roster came out for the online preaching. And I went, oh, my name's not on it. My little woe is me moment. Yeah, I was like, Ooh, nobody loves me. But can I tell you, it only lasted about six to seven seconds. Truly, because I'm teaching my brain. I'm teaching my mind to think differently. Because it's not my call to make. I'm sitting under authority of, of which I love and I respect. So it's like, all right, I've got to deal with my ego here. So if it's not a why, it's a what. What, God, are you wanting me to do in this disappointment? Because I love to preach. I love, being, I, I love being able to share the Word of God. But I didn't realize I'd push back and push down. And there's a new me that's come out of here. Now, I don't know what God has done in you or what you've allowed God to do. But this is an unshakable joy that's now in me. I, I actually had to lay down my crown. I realized I put a crown on my own head to say who I was. My little title, my little whatever it is, I just had to lay that down and say, God, please don't make me pick that. Don't let me pick that up again. I picked the, the lowest seat of the table and I'm going to serve as many people as I can around me. That's, that's, that's my position. That's where I want to be. That's how I want to spend the rest of my life. You know, I, I wrote a book, Loving the Skin You're In. I didn't realize I spent all of that money to write a book for myself. But anyway, I think it was money well spent in the end. Hey, good news. We paid the book off already. We haven't even launched it officially yet. So uh, a, couple of, a couple of weeks' time, we'll be able to sell some free books. So that's, that's exciting. So God is good. And uh, so is generosity of some amazing people here too. So we continue our, our series, Letters from Lockdown. We're going to look at Philippians 3 and 4 today. And I'm confident that Paul, you know, writing this in lockdown, he knew what it meant to live a righteous life, a life that was found as righteousness found in Christ, which also led to then an internal contentment. And we're going to unpack this a little bit later, which then resulted in an unshakable joy. There's something about Paul that he carried. I mean, let's be honest, if anyone had any reason to be anxious, if anyone had a reason to be disappointed or frustrated, or I, I think Paul probably qualifies. Sitting in a prison cell, I probably would have, yeah, okay, I, I didn't get to preach over the last nine weeks, but I, I wasn't in jail. I wasn't tied up between two prison guards. <laughs> and, and so here's Paul, not sitting there going, woe is me, not going, Why? I think Paul probably had a conversation with God. What? What would you like me to do? Well, I've got all of this free time. How about, says God, you write letters that will impact billions of people in the decades and centuries and millennium to come. Anyone thankful for Paul who didn't mope around in prison and say, oh, nobody loves me. It's so unfair that I'm in prison. He called for the parchment. He called for the scroll and, the, and the, the, the quill, the pen. He wrote these letters. 
to encourage the churches around. Would he have liked to have been out preaching? I bet he would. Would he have liked to have been planting more churches? I'm sure he did. Sure, that was in his heart to do, but that's not what he got to do. In this season, he got thinking about you, church in Philippi. God wants to do incredible things in your life. And he shared this unshakable joy. So three things I believe that God can show us and what it means to have unshakable joy. Number one, unshakable joy is found in knowing Jesus, not following rules. Unshakable joy is found in knowing Jesus, not following rules. Do you ever remember playing as a child and you had those made-up games? Now, our holidays were filled with them, you know, just kind of made-up games and stories and adventures that would take place. Um, my, my youngest two, um, so Zoe and Josiah, uh, we, we basically broke down all of the Lego builds that, that they had and they've rebuilt or rebuilding their Lego city. So all these little toys and everything. And, and, and everything comes with a story and sound effects. And we've got gold and diamonds and cops and robbers and good guys and bad guys, superheroes and villains and all of that. And so they, they just, you know, you wake up every morning during lockdown, it was just like this activity, spontaneous play. Now our Rosie, would sometimes kind of arrive on the scene and say, hey, go here, and a, and a little adjustment here, and a, and a little bit of that there, and it kind of sucked a little bit of the joy out of their play. Now, I love my daughter, Rosie, obviously. You know, you know my heart. Just, but, but that's not what they needed. And can I be honest? Sometimes I think out of actually knowing Jesus Christ, and yes, there are things that God wants us to do, but it's not at the starting point. The starting point is knowing Him. When we know Him, that is where the unshakable joy gets inside of us. When we know Him, it's not about following rules. See, Paul, he was religious as anyone alive. He was a humble guy. Let's, let's, let me share how humble this, this guy was. Yep. I was born a true Hebrew. Of the heritage of Israel, as a son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin, I was circumcised eight days after my birth. And kids, you can have a chat with your parents about that one. It's an interesting conversation. And was raised in the tradition, the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living in a separated and a devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, the Torah was the five books of the law, no one surpassed me. I was without a pair. I am the greatest Pharisee of all time, Paul. He's pretty, pretty humble, this guy. Or was he just stating the truth? Furthermore, as I think believers with religious zeal, yeah, he locked them up and killed them. That's what Paul did. That's quite a CV there. That's quite an impressive achievement for, for Saul who would become Paul. But then he goes on in verse 7, this is what he says, But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as uh, dung. It's poop. All the achievement. Everything we achieve. Paul said, it's done. It's worth nothing compared to what? Knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. If you want to know what matters in life, it's not ticking a bunch of things. 
It's knowing Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, we will give you the opportunity to, to pray a prayer, to begin that journey, to ask him to forgive you of the sin in your life and find freedom in relationship. Unshakable joy is found in knowing Jesus, not following rules. The second thing is unshakable joy is found in being in Christ. Being in Christ. Philippians 3, 8 to 9, it says, so that I, it carries on. He says, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. What's, what's righteousness? Righteousness is right living. So when we live right before God, that's considered righteousness. But Paul's saying not having a righteousness of my own from the law, meaning I, I, I didn't do it on my own. I didn't gain righteousness. I didn't get qualified in the righteous stakes by anything I've done. But one that is through what? Faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. Now, if you want to understand the, 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 the journey between righteousness and the law and the, the, the law of death, and read the book of Romans. Start from Romans 1 and work your way through. And then you watch the shift when you get to Romans chapter 8. As the law's kind of been unpacked and, and all the do, 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 do. Oops. The doing at Romans 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we want to know what matters, it's knowing Him. It's also realizing that we are who we are in Him. Paul was saying being found in Jesus, being a child of God, that's what brought joy, that in contentment. I think sometimes we're going to move from the... Uh, human doing to the human being. A wise man shared that with me just, just, just this week. You know, let's not be the human doings. Let's be the human beings. Let's, let's, let's be who God created us to be. Let's be comfortable with the skin we're in, with our identity, working out who we are, who God's made us to be, and be okay with that. Then the doing comes, and we'll see that soon. But it starts with knowing then it continues on to being found in him. See, Paul had written earlier in the book of Romans that the kingdom of God is, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. See, I believe there's a progression. See, when we understand that our righteousness is in Christ alone, not in, not, in, not in my, I don't know, I am sick to death of striving to get it all right. Anyone just, you know, it's like, I, just want to, I just want to do it all right, God. I, I want you to be happy with me. I, I, I want to live a life that would honor you, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to keep doing all these things that I know I'm supposed to do to make saying that's not the goal. He said, I offer you a righteousness, right living, that was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Because we couldn't, he did. Because we couldn't afford to pay for our sin. Jesus says, I will. I will stand in your place. I will pay the price for the, death, the, the debt that you couldn't afford to pay. So the righteousness, when we have a righteousness in Christ, what's the byproduct of righteousness in Christ? For me, it's peace. It's like, oh, what a relief. I don't have to do all of this. 
I don't have to strive. I don't have to impress people. My title doesn't matter anymore. What people think of me doesn't matter anymore. There's this peace that's flowing out of my life. And then what follows from there? The outflow of peace is, I love life. I'm so in love with life. You know, my life is now like a gushing pipe where the neighbor knocks on our door and says, Hey, did you know that there is water flowing out of your... Come on, how many people want to have a life that is so gushing with the joy of the Lord that actually people are coming knocking on your door going, Hey, did you know that this is gushing out of you? It's like, it's a peace. Joy! Come on, how many people need some joy in their life? And all of you that won't raise your hands, you need some joy. Please. You know, even with his long list of credentials, Paul's in Christ. You know what? We can't work our way. We can't achieve our way. We can't accomplish our way to joy, happiness, or contentment. These things don't bring us joy. It comes from knowing Christ. It comes from being found in Him. And lastly, I... I want to share this unshakable joy as the team come. comes from doing everything in Christ's strength. So there is a doing part. There are things that God wants us to do. But, but, but I, I think the problem is I, I wrote the list out of my head. Whereas God says, you know what, Mike, I actually didn't ask you to do that. I know you think that, that that was what I wanted you to do, but actually these were the things that I, I wanted you to do. And if you'd done them in my strength, they wouldn't have been such a burden. They wouldn't have weighed down so heavy on you that actually you just you was, were exhausted from doing all of these things. Paul's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the doing is done in his strength, not in our own. This is what God wants us, this is how He wants us to live. And it says, He says, I know how to make do with little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned, here it is, the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Notice that Christ's strength in Paul produces something far greater than achievement. It's contentment. There's a joy that God wants to pour out on His people on Pentecost Sunday 2020. Yeah, I was laughing. We had our vision series posters still up when we went into lockdown. And on the first, first poster, it's like, can you see it? Nah. Did not see that coming. I don't think anyone got that question right. We did not see this coming. But there's a part of me. I'm so glad that I, I, I kind of went through this. I'm so glad that I, I said, okay, God, finally I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my crown down. Receive a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit. Some of us actually need to maybe let go of some things first. It's hard to fill up a cup that's full. But man, when we empty ourselves of ourselves, imagine what God might do, release new gifts. It's like I, in lockdown, it's like this whole new gift was awakened in my life. 
that had been in there, but I pushed it away because of fear and past hurt and pain. I had to get real with God to deal with some of the, the mess and, the, and the, the bad and wrong thinking that I had. So God, I want to discover that gift again in the way you want it to be, not in the way I thought it was going to work. I'm so thankful for the journey, the pain, the brokenness that I had to kind of go through in order to maybe discover who I am. I believe God wants to fill us with joy today. I'm not expecting everybody to just start laughing because that's not really what it is. I'm talking, but, but hey, that wouldn't be a bad thing either. <laughs> I'm talking about a joy that says, man, I am pressed on every side. I'm crushed, but I'm not broken. I'm standing strong because I have the power of God on the inside. I have a joy that is unshakable. How do we do it in the practical? How do we do this? It's surrender, my friends. It's actual, it's actual full surrender. It's actually saying, God, I'm stuck here. I don't know what to do. I, I got stuck. I was stuck doing what I was doing. I was stuck. And I said, God, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. He says, I do. <laughs> I can't. He says, I can. I can't, God. He says, yeah, but, but we can. Jesus and me, we got this. Come on, what is it? What are you lacking? What is that thing that has caused you to be stuck? The very first thing you need to do is acknowledge it and say, God, I'm stuck. I need your help. At that point, that's where the power of God will come and fill the void. If you would empty yourself of everything that's not of Him, everything we've tried to do, everything well-meaningly, and, and these things that are good things, but, but, but we did it in our own strength. God's saying, would you, would you lay that down? Would you let you stand with me this morning? I believe for every hungry heart, for everyone desiring to be filled with a new sense of His Holy Spirit, new encounter with Him, would you posture yourself in whatever that looks like for you? It might be open hands. That you would, you would just empty, just begin to empty yourself. God, I give this over. I give this over. I give my title. I give my position. I give all of these things over to you. God, fill me now, please, with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray over every person here today for a fresh move of your Holy Spirit and your awareness of your goodness in their life. God, for every bit of lack, for the pain. God, I thank you, Lord, you can take the brokenness, and Lord, you can use that to bring healing to others. God, I surrender the pain to you today. God, the lies that have blinded me from seeing you, seeing me how you see me. God, take off the scales. God, the heart that has been hard towards you. God, I put up walls because I didn't want to let you in. God, would you break down those walls? God, would you fill us, fill us with a sense of your joy, the joy that would be the strength in which we, in which we would operate. 
God, for those that don't know you like they could. God, I pray this would be an awakening. This season would be one of going to your word and discovering how incredible you are. Struggling with striving or meeting everybody's expectations. Lord, I pray this next season would be a season of knowing who we are in you. It would be comfortable with the skin we're in, that, we, that our identity would be found in you. And God, ultimately, that when we do the things that you've asked us to do, we would do it in your strength and not in our own. So right now, in every heart, every life, fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. Receive that. Receive that today. Friends, God loves you. Loves you more than you realize. Loves you more than you could possibly ever dream or think. Receive that love from Him today. In Jesus' name. Would you mind taking a seat just for, just for one moment? I, I, I want to speak to, to maybe someone here who's coming to the building today. And, and, and if you're honest, your relationship with God might be next to nothing. Know Him like we've been talking about. The Bible is a, is a love story. With all the twists and turns of a good movie, the best movie ever written. Of success and failure and brokenness and broken hearts. But there's a central character in the story of the Bible. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Perfect in every way. Saw the world in sin and says, I'll go, Father. I'll go for people who don't deserve to be forgiven, but I'll pay a price they can't afford to pay. Jesus gave his life for you, my friend, so that you wouldn't have to live in the sin and the guilt and the condemnation, but walk in freedom. And today that gift of life has been offered to you. As I received it as a young boy and as many have received it in their lifetime. So whether you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you've been away from Him and today you're saying, I am returning back to this place where I want to know you, God, like never before. I want to pray a prayer. And you can pray this prayer as well, out loud or in your heart, of coming back to God, receiving again forgiveness for our sins and finding freedom and hope in Him. Why don't you pray after me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you chose Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you said yes, that your free will meant that I could be forgiven. Please forgive me. I turn from my old way of living, come into my life, and make me brand new. And may I choose to live my life in you. Thank you for your grace. I receive it today. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe coming back to God, would you just lift your hand and say, that was me. We, we, we don't want to embarrass you, but we just simply want to get alongside you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Praise God. Come on. Let's give God some praise in this place. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Amy's just going to give you some, some instructions as to what you can do next. Amazing. Amazing. That's the best decision you will ever make. Come on. Come on, church. Let's give these guys a hand. Amazing.